And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. And this is also where you get your Calcio to go. I'm just throwing in all of the, maybe we can, all of the catchphrases that I've said over the last, at the highest level. I don't know. I just, I'm losing my lines all of a sudden. I'm Frank, it just kind of tells you what kind of day it's been for me, sporting wise. I'm Frank Ravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. How are you doing on this uh, Who Won Couch of Twitter Sunday? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, um, I I was so uh, depressed with how things went sports-wise for me today that I I, I made steaks for dinner. I was like, for, I'm going to get something... <laughs> I'm going to get something nice out of this day. <laughs> and, and for all those, please uh, stop the rumors right here. You're not wearing a Juventus hat, are you? It kind of looks no, like no, it. no. This is an old, uh, this is an old golf hat. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I can prove it. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's Adidas. Adidas, okay. Adi Zero. So yeah, it is not a Juve hat. No, nope, okay, I am not. No, no. Why would I want to change to <laughs> yeah, that? I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an old school guy, but. Not when it comes to uh, football tactics. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, so no, I, I have not jumped ship, but oh, uh, good, good. But nonetheless, uh, this could have been a Spezia hat. Why? Why? Why's it got to be Juve or Udinese? <laughs> I'm just saying, there's precedent. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. How was your uh, How was your Thanksgiving? Good. Uh, four days off. Much needed. Four days off. It was very yep. relaxing. Um, yeah. Got to uh, definitely take some time and enjoy some house hunting and stuff. But yeah, it was good. How about you? Oh, uh, not too bad. Yeah, had had family come through. Uh, we hosted, and uh, that all went that all went fine. And uh, you know, tried to watch as much calcio and American football as I could all weekend long. And uh, you know, tried to keep the kids from killing each other as you know, as they tend to do sometimes when they get these long, uh, breaks from school and they don't get a lot of time to play with their friends and, you know, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, had, had our hands full with all of that, you know, you go right from, this is also the weekend when we go right from Thanksgiving to Christmas, the trees go up, the decorations outside go up, all that, Yep. Yep. all that, that jazz. Happened. That happened so, for sure. Um, so, so that's, uh, that is that. So yeah, it was a, all right. It was an overall, all, overall good weekend. Another good weekend for Calcio. It was um, a rainy weekend. Yeah. No, rain across the, uh, across the peninsula. Yeah. Um, we had, uh, let's see, we had 10, 13, 17, 18, 20, 22 goals. So uh, a little bit go. dry on the goal front, but we've got some, uh, we definitely have a, a, no shortage of uh, goals of the week to pick from, and we get to that segment. Some uh, some really good ones there. So, and I think we're going to start with a game that was chock full of them, Richard. By the way, before we get into everything else, um, we will break down uh, everything that went on on match week fourteen, uh, and uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the midweek action coming up, and we'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game: Who won Calcio Twitter? So that is it. So let's get back to those goals, uh, you know, because I think we're going to start with a game, Richard, where there are three goals uh, that could be that 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 could be in our top five. We'll have to, you know, unveil that after all of the games. But it is Napoli and Lazio 
at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, a big, com- uh, you know, commemoration from, uh, uh, you know, Napoli, you know, commemorating the, uh, you know, the, the, the one year, uh, one years since Diego Maradona passed away. Uh, they had the Diego Maradona jerseys. Um, and uh, boy, what a game to pay tribute. But let's get to the lineups. Ospina was in goal. It was a back four of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Koulibaly, and Mario Rui. Uh, midfield three, uh, Zielinski and Rui's flanked Lobotka. Lobotka gets a run out this time. Um, and then Dries Mertens flanked by Lorenzo Insigne and Herving Lozano. Uh, Dries, Burton, Dries Mertens back in our life in the false nine. Uh, we loved watching this under Saudi's Napoli a few years ago. Um, you know, just your thoughts on the team that Spalletti picked. Yeah, I think the big question, obviously, with Osimhen out injured, was who was gonna, how was the lineup gonna look without him in there? Uh, yeah. We kind of figured that Mertens would jump in there as a false nine. Uh, really, the question for me is: Would have been Lozano? Would have been Politano starting on the right? Uh, Lozano has been one who's been majority majority of the starts. Uh, so obviously with the lineup that came out, it was fairly straight up for me. I think, I mean, I'm happy to see Insigne didn't start as a false nine, uh, cause I think Mertens plays that very well. He's done in the past under Sarri. And so, yeah, it was, it was a pretty straight up lineup and I'm glad to see Labotka get the run out in this one. I mean, Napoli have so many talented midfielders. You yeah. can just, you gotta rot- you have to rotate them cause there's so many good ones that need to get out there. Yep, for sure. Chris DeSantis is in the house, man. Chris, how you doing? I don't think is it, is this might be the first time we have a uh, Who Won Calcio Twitter defending champion uh, uh, in the chat. He wants to see if anyone's worthy enough to take his crown. I guess. Ah, uh, you, you know that that we might need to do that if they you know if they come into the chat you know that they that they have the opportunity to help us out with picking a winner. Yeah. You know, for the following week, as long as it's you know if it That's if it wasn't themselves, you know, so that yeah. might not be a bad idea. So, Chris, hang in there with us tonight, man. When we get towards the end here at uh, Who Won Calcio Twitter, um, we might uh, seek your input for who you think should win this week because we yeah. have quite a few nominees. But get back to uh, this. Someone Napoli check Lazio. on Jerry. <laughs> Someone check on Jerry. Yeah, we I. I didn't. I didn't check. I think I tweeted. I said uh, <laughs> the champ is here. He's just going to eat this up, isn't he? Um, <laughs> um, uh, no. Um, no, I've lost my whole train of thought. Yeah, I did at least tweet out this afternoon. I said that uh, I, you know, I, I don't. At least I don't support Lazio, so it can't be all that bad. <laughs> so uh, Lazio. Uh, it was Pepe Reina and goal. Um, they went with a four-three-three. Uh, Patrick, Luis Felipe, Acerbi, Husai. I mean, right off, the, I mean, I, I'll get your take on that selection, but right off the bat, there's all kinds of trouble with that starting back four. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cataldi, uh, flanked by Luis Alberto and Sergei. Uh, Chiro Immobile back, uh, flanked by Felipe Anderson and Pedro. But man, uh, I, I, whoo, that back four. <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole lot of dudes in cement boots, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, and Luis Felipe has been playing decent of the four, um, but yeah, it was always going to be interesting to see who Lazio were going to put out there in defense because we knew that Napoli, as someone mentioned in the chat, we're going to try to honor Diego Maradona and try to get lots of goals. And so you know, whoever's going to be back there is going to be in there for run for their money. So uh, these are the four guys that were uh, voluntold that they had to play in this one. <laughs> I mean, but Patrick as a, a fullback, I can't, I can't get with that. 
What is that? I mean, we're going to be talking about this. This is going to be a theme as we go on to this episode. Managers playing people out of position and trying yeah. to make it work. And honestly, I think Patrick is probably better than than Husai. Uh, Husai is more a natural fullback, but uh, Patrick has some moments in him. He's not probably the greatest defensively, uh, contribute offensively stuff. But yeah, it's 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 interesting from Lazio. But maybe their hands are tied by who they have, and you know, with the the European game from the midweek previously, that maybe you know some guys retired. So you know, you yeah. see lots lots of rotations from the teams that competed in Europe last week. Yeah. Um... But moving on now, I mean, like, I mean, the goals started pretty quick. Seventh minute, uh, nice little cutting run off the ball by Dries Mertens. They get, they tried to feed him in. Everybody from Lazio chased Mertens on that, and the ball just caroms back, and it's uh, right there for Pieter Zielinski to finish in the seventh minute. I mean, this was a microcosm of Lazio's defending throughout the entire game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was what a thumper was uh, for Zelensky getting that rebound there. It was. It was, just, it was sixes and sevens back there in defense and really nobody picking up anybody and having a free runner like Zelensky did. Uh, if you got in the way with that, you know, good luck to you because you're going to be hurting and uh, no one did get in the way of that, not even the goalies. So, uh, yeah, it just it summed up the game in that one goal right there. Guys falling over the place and goals yeah. going back in the net. Yep. And uh, just three minutes later, Napoli is going to double their lead. Lorenzo insinuated Dries Mertens. This is a goal of the week candidate. Dries Mertens absolutely toyed with this Lazio back four uh, en route to finishing this and putting Napoli in front 2-0. What does he do in Serie A? He scores goals in Serie A. And he scores goals from the – play (laughs) them! I mean, I know you spent a lot of money on Osimhen, but uh, Dries Mertens came out here and reminded us all he's still got a little magic left. Yeah, well, I mean, what Twinkle Toes over there is dancing around people. Uh, that was just a beautiful goal by by Dries Mertens and showing showing everyone that you know he still has it. Uh, obviously, he has more than one goal in this game, but uh, yeah, that's what you love to see. And you hope you just wish that you know he would get more run out there. Obviously, Ostiman is your main guy, and that's you know when he's not there, you, you know, Patine is a straight up swap. But you know, you got a couple other guys that you can swap out, right? Just because Lorenzo Senior is your captain doesn't mean you have to keep him out there the whole time. Uh, right. you know, keep him fresh. Keep him all fresh. So it's a long season. The fresher these guys are, the longer they're going to be able to play at the top of their game. And so, you know, managers have to put that into their minds sometimes. And it's it's some managers like to run their run the guys ragged. Saudi is one of the guys. Uh, so, but yeah, good for good for Mertens. I'm happy for him. And he would uh, double his tally and make it three nil in the 29th minute. Lazio, the Lazio defenders this time just decided we want nothing to do with him. We'll just leave him at the top of the box and. Uh, they didn't want to get embarrassed again. So this time uh, Lozano uh, plays him and then Dries Merton's first time, another goal of the week candidate Uh, three nil to Napoli. Dries Merton's clearly the best player on the pitch uh, with what he did with and without the ball in this role. Um, And uh, three nil at halftime for Napoli. I mean, there was a decent chance by Luis Alberto, a volley that, that Ospina made a wonderful save on. Uh, but that's the extent of what you got from Lazio uh, throughout this first half. Um, It just, I mean, all you needed to do is, is look at the lineup that Saudi put out and yeah, in front, you know, the, 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 the midfield three and the front three fine. Okay. But you put it in a back four that was just begging to be put under pressure the entire match. Yeah. And kind of left uh, Pepperina out to dry. Right. Um, yeah, it was always gonna be a difficult game for them. And, you know, 
the tactics that we wanted to see from Lazio, at least for attack Napoli, because you know if you try to sit back and give them possession, they love that, and they're gonna they're gonna find ways to score. They're just, they're just that good, to, you know, with their passing ability. Uh, so you need to attack Napoli. We see some teams do that and been successful against them. So uh, I was look, hoping to see Napoli do that or Lazio, excuse me, and they weren't doing that. And really, they gave far too much space for for Napoli, as you mentioned. You know, Dries Mertens getting open a couple times, just getting free willy to take a shot from wherever he wanted. Um, guys running, you know, here and there. It's really Lazio had no answers for them, and I think they were almost shell shocked. Obviously, the first goal that happened it was it was a fantastic goal um by by Zelensky and then you know Mertens follows up and they, I think they were just shell-shocked and you know just a couple teams in this league I guess you could throw Inter in there as well but you know Atalanta and Napoli they tend to have these big first halves uh and and occasionally like I said um Inter do uh and this is a half that they had it and it was in the big game so you know all credit goes to Spalletti for getting his guys ready I mean obviously they're jacked up for this game with Diego Maradona and the offering yeah. with the statue and all that but still that's not an excuse for Lazio to give up three goals in the first half. Or no, game. no, not at all. And then the second half, I mean, if if you think it was calamitous in the in the first half, in the second half, if you thought Lazio didn't have the ball in the second half, or you could say, I could have sworn Lazio didn't have the ball in the second half. They didn't. <laughs> um, oh, okay, uh, let's be nice. They yeah. had it 35% of the time. And that probably includes all the dead ball stuff, like taking goal <laughs> kicks and throw-ins and, and all that other stuff. But substitutions, not a, not a yeah, substitutions. <laughs> I think that's all just so we can be generous, put into that 35% because my God, um, not even a single shot. Um, and uh, uh, Ivan, I'll answer for you how Reyna is doing at 39. I think he'd like to be doing what other 39 year old footballers usually do on the weekend podcast, uh, yeah, podcast <laughs> or studio analysis or anywhere but sitting in Lazio's goal. That's oh, how Reyna was doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I really can't blame Reyna for anything, you know, no, in, in, no. in this game. You really can't. The guys in front of him were just that terrible. I mean, literally 35% possession in the second half, not a single shot. All right. Um, you know, and my gosh, Napoli could have not Napoli could have won seven or eight nil, uh, yeah. but they made it four nil. And it's yet another goal of the week candidate. Fabian Ruiz left footed uh, curler um, in the 85th minute uh, iced this um, to make it four nil to Napoli an emphatic win. Definitely a needed bounce back, Yeah, uh, you know, after a couple of fronts, losing at Inter last week, but then going out and losing midweek at, at Spartak Moscow in the Europa League, uh, you know, to get this kind of win and get this kind of performance back under their belt. Um, you know, Bravo Napoli, they were super today. They deserve all the plaudits that uh, you could possibly afford to them for their performance today. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great, great bounce back win for them. Um and as a, a game, they, they were going to be favorites in no matter what, but you expect it to be a lot closer game. And the motor, extra motivation they had, it just it set them over the bar. They got those three girls early in the first half, and really the second half they smelled blood and they wanted to add on to it. And, um, they did get that fourth goal, you said, like you said, through Fabian. Uh, but, yeah, they played, they played very well. Again, it, it's a big game for them because – Two, two, you know, the losses to Inter and then Spartak, you know, bad losses for them, and they needed a, yep. they needed to have an answer. Um, you know, not not everyone who had a loss followed up with a, with a win, uh, and so Napoli 
good on them. Uh, it shows that they have some metal in them um, and that they can be easily pushed over. And so uh, good reaction and reaction I wanted to see, especially also Olsiemen's out too. You're not sure. Granted, this is a team that can score goals everywhere. But when you lose your striker like that, again, it happened last year. You never know how, how it's going to affect the team. And, you know, Merton steps up. Other guys step up, score goals. And, uh, yeah, uh, Napoli continue continuing to send the pace in City A, uh, which is good because uh, Inter are hot on their heels for sure. Yep, I agree. Um, can't find a single player that struggled in this Napoli lineup today. I mean, and I think it was just helped by what Lazio put out there, especially in defense, as we, you know, hate to be repetitious about it, but that's what it was. Um, you know, now for opponents coming up, uh, for Napoli. Okay. Can they look at this like a Sassuolo coming up at home again and Sassuolo, you know, as we're going to talk about later, Sassuolo have been a pain in the ass to these top teams this season. Um, they've beaten Juventus, they've beaten Milan. Um, they host Napoli next. And, you know, they, they narrowly lost to Inter and to Atalanta so, and, and to Roma by all one goal defeats. They got goals on them. Yeah. Can, you know, let's let's look ahead when these two teams play each other, because I think that this becomes an intriguing game. You know, all right. So we got, you know, Napoli cruise past Lazio. It's 90 minutes with with Mertens in the false nine or I mean, he got subbed out, but however long he played. Is there a part of you that looks at Sassuolo and as Sassuolo looks at their run of games and say, hey, they've been competitive. They've pulled a couple wins over the so-called Seven Sisters. They've been close in other games despite not coming away with any points. Does a manager like Dionisi now look at this and say, okay, I've got 90 minutes of sample of how they're going to play without um, Ossiman, okay? And if Merton starts in that false nine, uh, do you see... Sassuolo having the ability to say we've got the sample now let's here's how we're going to line up and here's how we're going to set up against them and maybe you know curbing some of this momentum yeah I mean if, if anyone can do it it's Sassuolo right they have uh, the players to do it they've not only just a sample size from this one game but you look any of the games in the past when Dries Merchants plays at the false nine yes it's a different manager but the lot of the core of what this team does is just what has been graining them for the last five years or whatever. Um, and Spalletti just adds different nuances to make them that much better. Uh, but yeah, they can certainly draw, draw from this past game uh, today and try to find ways to, one, exploit any weaknesses that they may see in there, uh, possibly on the flanks, possibly with the uh, second center back. Um, and, you know, using your using your height advantage, right? Skamaka yeah. is a big guy, six foot five. And yep. There's not many big guys on that team other than the two central 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 defenders, really, and then Fabian. So, yeah, I, I think Sassuolo are absolutely a team that can can knock off Napoli. And Napoli, if they're smart, they'll look at those watch this game against Milan and see that this team is for real, or watch the game against Juventus, and even the game against Inter. Sassuolo is a team to be reckoned with, and they like to knock off the big teams, and they're more than capable. They have the players to do it, right? So, and Skamaka seems to be on form right now, or at least he was in this last game. So. Uh, Napoli better be aware, and I think seeing the result today from Milan, they're going to be on their game because, you know, had the had the scoreline been different, maybe they would have taken a little easy. Could have been a trap game, yep. uh, but I, I think Napoli will be ready for them, and I think Sassuolo is going to going to give their all. It's going to be a good game. I hope hope it'll be closer than a four nothing game like we saw with uh, Napoli Lazio. <laughs> I think it will be, um, and I think that you know, I I think that 
Dionisi has proven to be somewhat astute. Um, but at the same time, I think in the wins, you know, he's got a Juve team that's playing a really stale, I mean, style. Actually, the first half when they beat Juve, I think they absorbed what Juve did coming forward, but then they were able to counter and they were able to get some goals. I think they can take some strength from doing that and, and doing that against Napoli. I think we'll, when we talk about the Milan game, um, we talk about the Milan game. I think that I'm going to make the argument that, you know, Milan beat themselves, um, but you have to be a good team to take advantage of a team that's beaten themselves. Um, yeah. You know, which is, which, which Sassuolo did. So we'll talk about that one shortly. Um, you know, so Sassuolo can do it. And then Atalanta goes to the uh, uh, Stadio Diego Armando and Maradona um, on Saturday. So, That'll you know, a couple of that. huge tests that let's identify, let's further identify Napoli's credentials. Because we talked about this. We're, you know, they're top of the table now, thanks to their win and thanks to results going their way across the board. Um, but that schedule, it's getting tough. It, it's going to be a squeeze here over the next few weeks. Let's see if they're still in first, you know, once we get past Christmas. Um, you know, I, I'm, and I only do this because I do want to play a little bit devil's advocate. I do want to yeah. say, I mean, yeah. Bravo and Napoli, they were outstanding. Um, but some, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the bigger picture on this as I would with any team as I would, even would with Milan. Yeah. So, um, so it's a, it's a, it's a great win. Um, Emphatic the, win. Yeah, very emphatic win. Uh, one that they needed to have. Lazio now, um, is it troubling that, uh, okay, one point against the Seven Sisters, they've got the one win over Inter um, so far this season. They did beat Roma in the Derby, uh, 3-2, uh, but five point, they've played, they've played all six of the other Seven Sisters and only have five points out of it. If you're trying to qualify for Europe, you know, you got to make the assumption that that's not going to get it done because you're in there with you're in there fighting with six other teams and you're all going to probably beat all of the teams below you to a reasonable extent. But Lazio's form, I think, against the top teams that they're trying to fight out uh, for European places is really troubling. Um, And I think it's as we've discussed, it's a product of continuing to get acclimated uh, to Maurizio Sarri's tactics. Yeah, and didn't they lose to like three of those games like by blowouts? I feel like um, at least by three nothing. So, yeah, Milan. Uh, they lost two nil. They lost two nil to Juve. Um, they lost big. I thought didn't they? Atalanta. They drew two oh, two. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking about and, last year then. And then they beat Inter, and then they beat Roma okay, in the Derby. As I thought. Yeah, but you know, these are games that why at least I was harping on how that. Lazio aren't quite top four ready because they're going to have a, it's going to take time to get used to Saudi. And there's going to be these blips in the radar that you're like, what the hell is this? This is not a product I'm expecting. Um, and granted, Napoli, you know, they're motivated. They played fantastic. Uh, but when we, we see a Saudi team and we see this Lazio team with the players that they have, you expect them to be very competitive in a lot of these games, especially against the Seven Sisters. And you really, like you mentioned, if you really want to test your medal and, and make the European places, you're going to have to perform against these teams. You're all basically yeah. canceling each other out with the lower teams. You have to, you know, go head to head with these other teams and, and prove your medal. Uh, and 
it's going to take some time for Lazio up to speed to the way Sadi wants. I'm glad to see Luis Alberto's out there. They kind of mended the relationship. He's playing a lot more, but still, the product on the pitch is not quite there yet. And the same thing you're seeing with the with their with their cousins uh, of the of of Rome there, Roma. Um, so yeah, it's um, a little worrisome, but nothing that I'm not I wasn't expecting. I thought there were going to be some some hiccups along the road. Uh, the question is, can they just stay in the fight as long as they can until they get at that level that Sadi wants? Because we saw even when he was at Juventus, it took a long time for that team to find some kind of resemblance of what, resemblance of what he kind of wants to see on the pitch. So, sure, we'll see. We'll see. Sure, uh, it's it's still a work in progress over there at Lazio. It's one that's probably. I mean, if they're willing to be patient and give Sadi the time, this is something that's going to take them the whole season. This is not something that. Um, I think is going to, you know, because you're 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 talking about a change in tactics. Exactly. Inzaghi left Lazio and went to Inter and had the exact personnel that he needed to implement the way he wants to play. He didn't have to do a lot. Saudi's got to have some changes here and and players have to adapt. And there's some, there's some things that are changing, but I think if they learned anything, hopefully they don't play Patrick at fullback anymore. (laughs) Um, You know, they've got, they need, they need fullback. They're going to play four, three, three. That is a position that they're desperately starving for. Lazzari can probably play in a full – I like him better as a wingback with the three, three-man three defense behind him. Um, but Husai's washed. I mean, you know, and it, it – you know, he, he's just – he's washed. And he looked washed today. Yeah. It would be um, nice if Lazzari could learn to play some defense, better defense to go along yep. with his offensive attributes because he would be a lock there, right wing or right back. And then, you know, find a, a compliment on the left back to go along with, you know, Lazzari. And then you'd have a very strong team and, and get an upgrade from, from Reyna. Not that Reyna's playing bad this year, but there's moments where you're like, okay, he's 39 years old. You can tell. Um, it's not his Liverpool days as, you know, Ivan's in the chat. Reyna would stop anything back then, but a few upgrades here and there. I think for the rest of their team, they're fairly set. As long as they keep all the pieces, it should be a very good competitive team. And if they want to take the next step, it's it's the fullbacks that they're going to have upgrade and the goalkeeper. So, okay, yeah, um, the goalkeeper too. You, you can't Reina. And Cherby's getting older as well, and you know. yeah, there's going to the, the, those are the positions that are going to have to revamp for Lazio. Just a whole back line. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Troubling times ahead. Um, Otito probably should have cashed in on Sergey when he had the chance to, when the figures were being discussed. I mean, right now in this market, especially for teams like Lazio, that's a lot of money that you can go and get yourself four or five players and have a deeper squad. And sometimes, you know, you talk about that. You'd hate to leave. You hate to lose top quality players. Um, but at some point, the club has got to be bigger than the player. You know, and, and it's like the market me, in a way too. And that's know? just it. And and right now for me, Sergey's the only guy they've got that has any kind of market value like that where they're gonna be able to sell someone and shore up the squad with multiple players. I don't think anybody I don't know if anybody wants Luis Alberto at this point, and I don't know what you're gonna get for him. I don't you're not gonna get you're not gonna get a King's ransom for him. Um Immobile is probably, you know, he's 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 getting towards the autumn of his career. He's been playing for a long time. You know, does he really want to try something new? And what are you going to really get for him? 
Um, I think he's best for sorry system too. I think he should stay there if he's smart. Yeah. If he can continue, I mean it, because as, as he grows into Saudi system, he's going to be a better striker in a fourth in, in Mancini's four, three, three as well. So, um, so, you know, but that would be the one, I mean, at some point you're going to have to move on from Sergey. You're going to have to get cash in on him, uh, because that's going to help you get the players that you need. Uh, you know, in certain places, because I think that Lazio are deficient in certain in in, in yeah. key positions, and it shows. Yeah, and you know, a few years ago, well, I, I heard I heard rumors, and I don't know if the rumors are true or not, or just someone just someone making this up. But it, I heard some I heard somewhere that uh, Sergey Milinkovic Savic was saying, you know, hey, I'm ready to move on and try try another level here. Um, and if that's true. It's worrisome for for Lazio because you know several years ago he was what rated 120 million euros, which is a king's ransom. And if you get half that now, I'd be I'd be surprised honestly. Yeah. Um, and so like like you said, playing the market, you know, sometimes it's bigger than the club. And if someone's going to offer you 120 million euros, take it. You can get three, four players, you know, depending how you do, it, maybe more. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see. I mean. I know Lazio fans want to keep him there forever, and you know if that's where he stays, great. But if you know he ends up moving on, what kind of money are you going to get for him? You know, yep. not what you want. Let's put it nope. that way. Nope, I agree. I agree. Boy, City has been doing a really good job with these match weeks, where they're giving us a couple of marquee games. I think it also speaks to the quality of the league that there are teams getting better. Yeah, you know where. You know, we're 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 getting a couple games a week. So we had Napoli Lazio today. Yesterday we had Juve Atalanta, which you're going to eloquently break down for us. <laughs> I don't know about eloquently, but <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, with, you know, there's nothing mentioned... eloquent about this podcast, or yeah, or this game in particular. <laughs> but um, you know, Atalanta with their orange jerseys. I don't know if they're trying to emulate Barcelona or what. You know, they already do the tiki taka type play, uh, but they came out the orange jerseys. But they would be on the road in this one. Uh, starting with the host, looking at the lineups. Juventus in goal, you got Wojciech Chesney. They went with a back four of Juan Cuadrado, Leonardo Bonucci, Mateus Delict, and Alexandro. Uh, they went with a midfield of Rabio, Locatelli, McKenney. And then up top, you had Chiesa, Dybala, and Morata leading the way. Uh, thoughts on the lineup? Um, any concerns on this when you, when, you, when you first see this lineup? Obviously, Rabio is coming out there, but. It seems that um, Allegri really likes Rabio and that he's inserting him more and more lately. I don't understand why Juve, and I get that, you know, you want to, in a big game like this, you probably want to do some things out of habit, but there's no Danilo. Um, there's no DeCilio like it matters. Um, you know, and. They didn't have Pe- Pe- Pellegrini wasn't available. Pellegrini was he suspended or he this guy shows up and he plays a game last week and he looks actually halfway decent and then and it's got him off the street. He was on the bench and then it, was he on the bench? Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't see him. Oh yeah, there he was. Okay, um, but why not a? I mean, right now what they're doing isn't working. You know, they're playing Rabio in a wide position. Um. You know, they're trying, you know, they're, they they seem like they're interchanging where it was Chiesa and Dybala behind Morata. And all. Why, why not try three in the – Allegri's done three in the back before. Why not play Bonucci and then play Chiellini in the middle and Delic to the left and then have Juan Cuadrado be a wingback? 
Yeah. You know, have Alexandro be a wing back. You know, and and clog that midfield. If you're that dissatisfied with Rabio, then that's a good way to get him out of there. Um maybe Allegri's not. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. And you can play a 3-4-2-1. You can play Dybala and Chiesa behind Morata if you want. You can you can have your three-man midfield of Locatelli, Rabio, and McKenney, and uh you could have any two of the three with Chiesa, Morata, and Dybala. Um so it's you know it, it under Allegri he's getting very stubborn and instead of him adapting to what's available to him he's trying to put square pegs in round holes and trying to force the players to adapt to what he demands and right now when you're not getting the results okay you got to be willing to try something different. You got to be willing to try to freshen things up because it's for, you know, you know, for a couple of reasons. Well, I mean, not just because you give yourself a chance to put these players in roles that they're comfortable playing, but two, I think freshening things up might inspire your players a little bit more too. Um, They see, Hey, something new. Yeah, this works. I'd, I'd be very comfortable doing this, doing that. It just it feels like Allegri is just saying this is what I'm jamming in and this is what I'm force feeding to this team and this is the way we're going to do it and players are just going to have to try something different. Cuadrado ne- needs to be a wingback or a winger. He needs to be the, we we've tried the, the the fullback thing a few times with him. He can tend to be a liability at times. He's he's a good he's a better defender here at Juve than he's been anywhere else in his career because of who he plays with. Okay. But it's time to, it's time to, it's time to shuffle this. It's time to freshen things up and to continue to just try to force things and get people out of, get people out of position and get keep people out of their comfort level is really, really a detriment to a Juventus team that has enough quality to be a top four side. I don't think they're win- They're not winning the title this year. But no. if they're trying to get their way back into the top four, if they want to be a, if they still want to be some kind of a threat in the Champions League, Allegri's going to have to learn to be flexible. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like they're the only time. Well, not the only time. The time they're getting the most performances is in Champions League. Didn't happen this past weekend, a week before, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, he needs to definitely be more flexible. Um, I uh, he is trying to get players. I think he's playing these, some of these players like Rabio and McKenny, hoping that they, their game turns around. I, I I have seen improvement from McKenny. Even Ventini probably will fight me on yep. that. But um, yeah, Allegri's being a little stubborn here. He needs to loosen up. I think change the ways how he used to do it. Uh, maybe go with the back three like you mentioned and. And and clog that midfield. I think I like your idea about the three four two one because we can really clog that midfield. Play with the back five really. If you get a lot of pressure, a teams like Atalanta, it'd be perfect for. And so, yeah, it's he needs to figure it out. And I think he's just gonna try to limp his way into the um, Christmas break and hopefully get some reinforcements come in the January window. But um, yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's it's a tough tough league right now, and, and you got seven eight teams who can arguably uh, beat Juventus any 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 week. So. Yeah, they got their hands full for sure. And um, looking over in the Atalanta side, uh, Juan Musso in goal, obviously. Uh, they went with the back three of Toloi, Demarel, and Jimisti. Uh, Zapacosta on on oh, the midfield goes Zapacosta, Darun, Froiler, Meela, uh, and um, Malanovsky. Pasina just behind Zapata. 
fairly standard lineup. I mean, you talk about square pegs and round holes here. It's round pegs and round holes for, uh, for Gasparini. It doesn't matter who he puts out there. It's always going to work. It seems like, um, yeah. thought on the lineups for this one. I mean, it's a fairly straight up lineup, but, uh, you can't go wrong no matter what you put in here. Everybody here is comfortable with where Gasparini plays them. He's not having anybody play out of the ordinary. He'll usually hybrid some things once in a while. He he'll drop Pasolich back into that midfield too. I mean, his best two men center midfield partnership is the one he started, Didon and Freuler. Um, at times, Cup Miners can be a threat to this. The Cup Miners might also be interesting in a more advanced position. Too. He can play anywhere. <laughs> yeah, Cup Miners can hybrid. Pasolich can hybrid. Piscina, yeah. he is done this with a couple of times when he's asked to play in one of those two central midfielder roles and not more advanced. It actually doesn't look great for Atalanta. It looks disastrous. So yeah, no, he had guys in positions. He had guys in roles. He had them comfortable. Um, and uh, you know, in a way we go, I mean, this is a, this is a lineup that when you look at it, it's the Christmas tree formation and they and why do we always call it? I mean, can we just call it a tree formation? I mean, we, we always seem to want to call it yeah. Chris, maybe because we're just looking for something. We're trying to I blame have, Ancelotti. I blame Ancelotti. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, good lineup. I mean, it's it's what I thought would come out against this U of A team. I mean, or, or, or some variation of it. And um, they were ready to go. And I agree with Anthony's point in the chat saying Demerol had a little bit of chip on his shoulder and wanted to prove something to Juventus, and I certainly think he did. Uh, this is certainly going to be a good game. Uh, we knew that Atalanta are going to be the attacking team and that Juventus uh, were going to try to struggle with that, or so we thought. Uh, it was a very good game, I thought, from the from the beginning of the game. Juve had a couple shots early on, uh, didn't put them away. I know McKinney was setting up some nice passes, really, uh, really out of his norm uh, with some of the passes. Looking over the top, I think he found Morata. Or it was the ball. I forget who it was, but um, you know, in this league, you know, when you play Atalanta, if you don't take your chances, it's gonna come back to bite you. In the 28th minute, Duvan Zapata uh, off a seemingly a, a turnover, quick pass, one-time pass to him, uh, goes on a break and a, a snipe of a shot, short uh, short side, uh, wonderful goal there by Duvan Zapata, Frank. Uh, just a, a total breakdown by Juventus, turn it over, and it went to the wrong guy because he found Duvan Zapata with one touch. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of. Um... We're seeing pressing becoming more success, be, becoming a more successful tactic in this league. Um, happened a handful of times this weekend that led to, if yeah. it didn't lead to goals, it led to dangerous chances. So mm-hmm. um, teams are doing a very good job of understanding where you can where you can get people and where you can close things down. Um, and uh, Gasparini identified, and I think it was Rabio who gave the ball away. You know, in that particular moment. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're identifying, Hey, here's where we can get them. You know, Rabio does a good job of these certain things, but maybe trying to play through the middle third of the field. Maybe this is where we can kind of close some things down, limit some things and force them into a mistake, you know? Um, so, and that's what happened here. And Jim Chitty right away, uh, played in Zapata early. I mean, it just, I was clever on his part. Uh, yeah. and it was a great pass and, Great finish and and uh, Atalanta goes up one nil. Yeah, a great way to start. And, and I think even as Anthony mentioned, you know, Gasparini really was using the press in, in the game, and he knew that 
there's a midfield here with Juventus who may who get uncomfortable when the pressure's on them and some of these yep. other players as well. And so he made sure whenever they lost the ball that they did press and it did cause turnovers. And that was a perfect example there. Rabio turned it over and went right to Njimisti and and he had a great pass to uh, Dufan Zapata. So yeah, one nothing lead there. Uh, well, when, I mean, they, when you look at, I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt. I yeah, mean, yeah, when yeah. you take. Who scares you being able to play through the lines in midfield with what Juventus had out there? So, of course, you're going to press him. I yeah. mean... Locatelli, buddy, the only one, maybe, uh, when yeah. he's on. Yeah, I mean, McKinney... McKinney's a box-to-box power guy for me as a midfielder. He's not a... He's not... Um, What's the adjective I want to describe? He's not a graceful passer, you know, through the lines. You know... Rabio clearly isn't that. You know, Juve doesn't have that. They don't have Pirlo, okay, uh, you know, or anything close to that in their midfield. Um, so it's pressed them to deny getting the ball to the attackers who can be more dangerous, Chiesa and Dybala. Yeah. Morata is a reference up top. And then the other way that you got to situate your press when you're going to do this against Juventus is you've got to avoid anything where Benucci can be in a position to play a long ball because he can. he's one of the most accurate long passers you know, from out of the back. Yeah. And so it, it was, it was very sensible for Atalanta to play this pressing style and, and say, Hey, the best way to, uh, the best way to make Dybala and Chiesa non-factors here in this first half is to make sure they don't even see the ball to begin with. And that's how they, that's what they went for. And in the times that there was a breakdown, uh, they they found a way to to stop him, like the play that went over the top, uh, over Toloi, and Toloi ended up catching up Chiesa and, and was able to stop him. So yeah, it's like they they made sure that they snuffed out all the all the all the difficult plays, and when the play broke, uh, they were there still, and they and they they were able to capitalize and shut him down. So um, yeah, it, you know, Musa really wasn't threatened in that first half, and you know, going to halftime down one nothing, uh, if you're Juventus, and then coming out the second half, really. You'd imagine, and the statistics show it that Juventus had more of the ball because they're trying to get back into this game. And 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 Atalanta, you know, they had their opportunities still. And you know, Milanovski had a chance. Um, yep. There was a shout for uh, a penalty. Uh, why I don't know. If, I don't think they reviewed it. And it, it was. I don't think it was a penalty, but you know, there was a shout no. for it late in the game. Um, but Juventus had really no answers, and Atalanta were content to let them. Hey, you can have the ball. See if you can figure it out because you can't. They um, they out they out Juve Juve. Yeah. Which is and not you, Atalanta-like, but they've shown they you, can do that. Would you ever say this about At- Atalanta under Gasparini that this is, you know, what do they do when they score, when when they play just about anybody else, when they score a goal, what are they doing? They're going and looking for a second goal. Yeah. Okay. And, and then they're going looking for this. a third I, and a fourth. I will argue that we have seen this last year with Gasparini. So uh, the year before they did very well in the Champions League and they were trying to make a way to make Atalanta more well-rounded as a team, not just a goal team. And they had those couple times, especially during the second half of the season last year, uh, where he would they would sit back and they would just win one nothing or two nothing. And you're like, what are they doing? They're trying they're trying different things. It's not their mo, obviously. Their mo is go 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 go. But they they had a team here, a wounded team in Juventus, where they're like, we don't really need to go. We we can probably just win with one nothing and just play defensively and set up shop. And it's very rare we see Atalanta do this, but. Uh, yeah, they beat Juventus in their own game, beat Allegri in his own game, uh, yeah. and they went, come out winners one nothing. Um, a good win with those uh, orange, bright orange jerseys. I don't know if I like them or not yet, but uh, uh, if they want to mimic uh, Barcelona, I guess I guess that's the way to go. <laughs> Anthony Anthony makes a great point. Dybala had a had a great free kick. Uh, he did. He did toward the end of the game. Musa was beaten. Um, 
Atalanta needed to win like this. Yeah. Um, because they needed to be able to know that they can win like this. Um, you know, so it serves them extremely well. Yeah, I mean, to the point, Gasparini will resort to these kind of tactics. I, I remember a couple of years ago in the quarters against PSG, he tried it um, and almost got out of there. Uh, you know, so um, PSG ultimately went on to the final. Um, yeah. But, you know, so this was a, a game management approach by Atalanta. It's one that you rarely see. Um, usually they get a goal, they smell blood and they're, you know, before the night is over, they've got three or four. Um, but I think this also serves them well when they're trying to look at critical games coming up Atalanta. And I'm talking about when they go to the Maradona, uh, on Saturday, as we talked about, um, their, their final champions league game, which is at home, um, against Villarreal, uh, that they have to win. I believe they have to win to qualify, right? I think you're right. Um, Roma, they may try to do that too. Inter on January 16th, just kind of taking that they know that they can win like that because it's probably the one thing that's consistent, consistently missing from Gasparini's Atalanta through the years. Win in a multitude of ways. Don't just win one way. Um, find ways to scrap to scrape wins like this. Um, these are the kind of wins that you build a, a title winning campaign on and they're right in this. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. you know, sitting in fourth, I mean, they're only seven, we've only played 14 games. Seven points is not too hard to overcome. No. Um, you know, we're used to them being a ninth or 10th around this time while they're in the champions league and then they make their charge. Now they're, they're in fourth. They're, they're, they're managing the competition on both fronts. They're getting, you know, yeah. the, the experience of playing in both competitions at the same time, yep. you know, is finally kicking in. So, Atalanta had, you know, had to win this way. They had to figure out how to win a way in a, a game like this in the style which, with which they won it, um, you know, to diversify ways that they can beat opponents. Because um, they're going to play teams that have more possession than like Napoli. So you're going to have to know right. how to play both ways. Right. So, and they were, ma- I mean, it was masterful. I mean, Musa wasn't troubled. No, I think the two that were the two that were shot at him. He, you know, the only trouble was the DiBala free kick. Juve got 15 shots off, but when you look at where they shot from, it's just like if you get this on frame, Musso, a good goalkeeper like Musso sees this coming, he'll save it. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, you know, t- you know, very much I, I admire what I saw from Atalanta. Juve, we already kind of beat to death. They got a. They got to freshen it up and they got to change some things tactically. Allegri can't keep forcing the same set of lineups and the square peg and round hole thing we were talking about. Um, that's, uh, that, you know, he they're going to have to freshen it up if they expect to be a top four team by the end of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. So it's uh, we'll see what these two teams uh, do, you know, especially with Atalanta coming up here with Napoli on the horizon. And uh, Champions League as well, so yeah, it's going to be interesting both these teams. I'm, I, I, I don't imagine both either of these teams being content where they're at. Obviously, nope. Atalanta want to push to the top, and then Juventus want to get back some of that uh, swagger that they've lost this year. Yep, agreed, agreed. So that was the uh, Juve Atalanta game. Prior to that, we talked about Napoli Lazio. Let's get on to the rest of it. Uh, we have eight other games, so we'll just kind of cut this in half. I'll start with Caleri and Salernitana, Richard. This happened on Friday. 
Um, Calgary playing with the kind of style and performance that we would expect from a team this talented. But of course, yep. they were playing the team that was bottom of the table. So we do have to kind of take this with a grain of salt. It is a 1-1 draw, a near post, tidy little finish there by uh, uh, Leonardo Pavoletti on an assist from Joao Pedro in the 73rd minute. This was after many chances uh, in this game for Calgary, finally breaking through in the 73rd minute, but it would be all for naught in the 90th minute. Federico Bonazzoli comes in uh, and finishes. I think it's bad goalkeeping from Alessio Cranio, truthfully. Um, it was. But uh, Bonazzoli does get the, get the goal, rescues the point. Calgary's going to look at this as two points dropped. Um, but Salernitana rescues a point as they're desperate for points themselves, sitting at the bottom of the table. Tuscan Derby to open things up on Saturday morning. Uh, Saturday morning for us. Uh, so Empoli and Fiorentina. And this was a great game. 33 yeah. shots uh, combined between both teams. Um, uh, it was uh, nil-nil at halftime, despite all of those chances. But in the 57th minute, Dusan Vlaovic, nice little ball slid across from Jose Callejon. And Vlaovic sliding across himself to finish it to put Fiorentina up by a goal to nil. Um, but... Uh, as, as the game wore on, Empoli were pressing for chances uh, and would finally level the score in the 87th minute. Filippo Bandinelli uh, on an assist. Lamanche actually getting credit with the assist. Uh, and then finally, two minutes later, Andrea Pinamonte uh, giving Empoli a big, big three points and beating their bigger Tuscan neighbors by two goals to one. Empoli uh, in 11th. On 19 points, two Unreal. points out of two points out of six. What a job uh, being done there, Andrea Zoli, over there at Empoli. And I'll tell you what, my boy uh, Bajrami, he was crucial on both of those goals for Empoli. Yes, he was. Um, yes, he was. Uh, came on as a sub, and uh, if he can continue to have that kind of influence going forward, uh, sky's the limit. And it, the other thing, and we'll talk about Empoli here a little bit more once we wrap these up. The defending is getting slightly better. I know it's not where it needs to be to survive, but it is getting better. Um, uh, talking about teams that are desperate for three points, it was Sampdoria was one of those teams taking on a Hellas Verona side that has been bothering everybody uh, under Igor Tudor. Um, and they would start bother, start by bothering Sampdoria in the 37th minute. A goal by Adrian Tameze that actually went through the legs of Maya Yoshida. My, my interesting side story here. Maya Yoshida didn't start the game. He came on in the 35th minute for Alex Ferrari, who got hurt. And then in the 37th minute, the ball goes through his legs on Tamezi's chance. I think it hits like the inside of one of his legs. And then Karim's. Was that his? And I think he that was, yeah, it was him. He whiffed on the shot and hit his opposite leg. So he went for the kick to clear it, missed it, and hit his opposite leg and bounced in. And I think that was his first touch of the game. It probably was. <laughs> <laughs> he has been a nightmare this year. Uh, uh, he really has. Uh, he's, he is, he is uh, continuing to, uh, I think he's almost cemented a place in crap on a cracker uh, to be on, you know, to be honest, but we'll, we'll find out here in a few weeks time. Um, 51st minute. Uh, finally, uh, Sapdoria get it turned up. Great goal here. Uh, probably going to end up in the honorable mentions on Donio Candreva in the 51st minute. Um, and it is just because of the chest pass by Caputo uh, that steered it in the direction of Candreva uh, to make it 1-1. Uh, 
Uh, 77th minute, Antonio Condreva back to doing what he does best, serving balls in uh, on a dead ball situation this time. Albin Ekdal making it 2-1, and then Nicola Muru putting it away in the 90th minute, a much, much needed three points for Sampdoria. Uh, and then Saturday wrapped up, Richard, with Inter uh, playing a bunch of training cones, as it would turn out. Um, 27 to 6 on the shots for Inter, 12 on target. That means Sergio Romero made 10 saves. He uh, was Sergio, good. Yeah, Sergio Romero in defeat should be in the Serie A team of the week. Just for that, because yeah, I mean, this yeah. was. Yeah, this was a rampage by Inter. Um, Hakan Chalanolu in the 34th minute, another goal of the week candidate there, striking from distance uh, to put Inter ahead by a goal to nil. But that would be it for the goals until the 96th minute where Lataro would make a penalty. Um, those were mine out of the remainder of the games. Richard, where do you want to start? Uh, well, let's start with that game we just mentioned there. Um, yeah, really, Venezia, they had like a, a moment early on the game where they looked good. And then after that, I mean, Aramo, I think, was pretty good early on in the game. But then it was all Inter after that. Yeah. And what it was really is that Inter failing to capitalize on their opportunities once again. Uh, they could have scored so many goals in this game. Obviously, Romero played fantastic. But you still got to put these goals away. And the fact that they only had a one nothing lead until late, late in the game, uh, you know, at times they score goals in bunches and other times they're like, how are you missing all these opportunities? And a, a credit to them that it's not always like this, but they, they have so many opportunities. And the thing with Inter is when they get to a situation, whether it's a Champions League or a big, you know, Serie A game and you need those goals, you don't know if they're going to be there or not. It's because it, it's a Jekyll and Hyde with this team. They're always going to have that pressure offensively. Can they be clinical? That's that's the question with them. But they got the they got the win. I mean, one goal would have been done would have done in this one here, as you mentioned, a bunch of training cones. Um, moving on to Hellas and Sampdoria, I was kind of surprised there with Hellas. I mean, they came out and start. It started very well in this game, but then Sampdoria kind of had woke up in the second half and and really took it to Hellas. And Hellas usually are very composed offensively, and Sampdoria were able to um, break them open, and it was very un Tudor like and. Uh, full credit goes to Diversa for changing it up at halftime and making some of the moves they did. But um, that's a perplexing result for me. Big three points for Sampdoria, no doubt about it, because they they needed those three points. But uh, it was more head-scratching for me by Hellas compared to what we've seen this season. But, again, it could have just been a trap game or could have been a, a you know they were overlooking this game. And, you know, if you do, Sampdoria made you pay, obviously. Um, and then the, the game I really want to talk about is the Tuscan Derby. Fantastic game, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, went back and forth. Both teams had opportunities. Vlahovic was all over the place. Uh, he now leads the league in goals uh, with 12 uh, overtaking uh, Chiro Immobile. Um, he was good. I mean, that goal that he scored, he started the play, passed it over to uh, Callejon. He kept the run. You love seeing that. We saw that from Messias with Milan in the Champions League. You start the pass and you continue the run and they find the ball back to you. Great goal there. And then Empoli. Empoli has kept attacking. This We, we love to see Empoli because they attack. And now, like you mentioned, they're starting to figure out how to play defense as well. And Andre Zoli should get full credit for the way this team is 19 points in this stage of the season. Um, it's, it's it's tremendous for the for the new club. And, uh, yeah, uh, you love to see derbies. Derbies should be like this, right? It should be head-to-head, back and forth. Um, too often we have these some of these derbies, like, you know, of this elk. It'd be one-sided, right? Um, yeah. And this game was not that at all. It was, it was fun to the last minute. And then, like you said, two goals basically in a minute's time. Marami was fantastic. He was pivotal on both those goals. Uh, just a great game overall. Uh, the, the goalkeeper for um, 
Empoli had some big saves in this game as well. On on yeah. Saparana, Saparara had a great opportunity in the first half, and uh, it got denied by him. But great game overall. I love that game. Yeah, Bonaventura had a couple of nice chances. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, it was uh, definitely an entertaining game. Uh, you know, uh, and and now he, well, that's what you want to see out of derbies. So, um, and then you know to see a, a smaller team from the region, you know, from a region being a bigger team, you know, there, there, there's good stories to that. So, um, the, the San Palos Verona game was even more interesting in particular. You touched on a lot of points, you know, Samp countered. I mean, Samp was much more efficient with, with the ball yeah. than Hellas Verona was, yeah. um, which you normally don't see Hellas Verona allowing that kind of efficiency, um, you know, where they're able to defend, they're able to be in position and do things like that. So, you know, I like that point. Um, you know, Inter, there's nothing else that needs to be said. I mean, Venezia showed up. They 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 played to avoid getting embarrassed and um, you know, took their took their zero and and moved on. So um but again, Inter if you're a good team, you take advantage of those situations and you get your three points. So yeah. Um, you know, Anthony, so I'm, Anthony I'm brings up a good point about Vlahovic continuing to show that he deserves a big chance. And we, we talked about this last year. Like, the question last year was, should Vlahovic leave uh, Fiorentina after last season or should he stay another year? And we, we kept saying he should stay, grow yep. more into his team, and really get comfortable and grow into that frame. And he has this year, he's starting to really yep. evolve. So, good on him. Another, another one where we look good. So everyone was like, everyone's like, yeah, I should not. No, no. One more year. Let him, let him show that he can boss things. Let him build on what he did, which he's clearly doing. And then, you know, at, at some point then now, I think after this season, he can definitely test the waters and, yeah. you know, Fiorentina is going to cash in big time. And that's their, that is their one asset right now. I mean, Milankovic is also another guy you can talk about, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. you know, in terms of, of what they've got available to them as for, as far as, who they can cash in, take that money, reinvest, get more players, you know, to further shore up the club. So, and there's um, always that risk too because we saw with Belotti as well when he had that huge year, and everyone's like, "Oh, he should go." And Kaido was like, "No, I'm holding on to him." And we saw the opposite, right? He stayed yeah. in, in Torino. He didn't really have the help, uh, and he's his game has been declining ever since. And so mm-hmm. you never know if the if a player stays. But Vlahovic has certainly paid off and is growing more and more into this role. He he's looking like the main target guy now last year he just had good goals now he's like play goes through him he can shield the ball very well last year he wasn't good at shielding he's very good at it now uh so yeah he's becoming an all-around striker now which is excellent to see yep yep agreed agreed i think he's rounding out his game really well um and i think that he's you know wherever he goes after this i mean it's is hopefully he's hopefully he stays in steady out with somebody but i agree i agree we'll we'll see what happens so um, all right. Why don't you take us through the rest of Sunday's games? All right. Uh starting it off, Udinese Genoa 0 0. That's all I'm gonna say there. No, this game wasn't that entertaining, honestly, but you know, there were some some glimpses and moments. Beto again. Uh Beto is a player I, I'm I'm fancying. I know you you're high on him as well. He's mm. he he can do things and uh he didn't get a goal in this one, but he's certainly active all game long from beginning to the end. Um both keepers have made some saves, but really it was, it was zero zero. Not much action in this one. All the action seemed to be in the next game. I'm gonna talk about Milan hosting Sassuolo. Uh, Sassuolo wins three to one on the road. Goal scoring started in the 21st minute. Romagnoli uh, off a nice set play off a corner corner kick on near post. Got it past the keeper. Uh, that'd be the last uh, good comments we make about Romagnoli in this one because uh, um, 24th minute there would be a turnover. 
Uh, Skamaka with goal of the week candidate. I'm going to say it's my goal of the week right now. A bomb from distance that hit the top post and in. Uh, what a great strike by Skamaka. Uh, just a few minutes later, uh, turnover in the box. Balabansa's wrong goes right to Skamaka. Skamaka scores. They're going to call it an own goal by Kiar, but that was all Skamaka there. Uh, two nothing there. Uh, and it'll be that score or two to one uh, going at the halftime coming out of the break. Uh, Barardi completely destroys Romagnoli one versus one uh, and scores a nice goal, goal of the week candidate there. Uh, three to one, Milan sixes and sevens all the way around. Sassuolo proving that they are a bogey team for the Milanese clubs. This this time seemed to be Milan. Last you know, Sometimes it's, it's more so Inter lately, but uh, Sassuolo, keep an eye out for them. Do not take them lightly. Uh, moving on, Spezia hosting Bologna. Uh, this game is actually going uh, back and forth a lot. Bologna missing a lot of opportunities. Musa Barrow hit two posts in this game. Um, but we finally would get a goal late in the game, the 83rd minute. Uh, a penalty uh, was called, and Arnautovic would step up, take the shot, score. Uh, Bologna win 1-0. Uh, not the result they want, not not the scoreline they wanted, but they, they got the victory. That's what's the most important for them. And you saw a big embrace between Arnautovic and um, Sinisa Mihalovic after the game, or after the goal, I should say. Uh, moving on, Roma uh, hosting Torino. And in this game was uh, an interesting game. It was going to be a tight game that I expected. Uh, part of me thought maybe Roma would have blown away with this game, but they've been they've been struggling as of late. Um, but, to, you know, to their credit, they did some really good things in this game. A lot of it going through Mkhitaryan and Zaniolo. Good to see Zaniolo not, you know, injury-free, and and he just so silky smooth with the ball. But um, – you would get a goal in the 32nd minute uh, through some nice play. I believe it's through Mkhitaryan that found uh, Tammy Abraham with a goal. That'd be the lone goal of the game, but it was a lot of action going on. Um, there was a, uh, a penalty call that they thought they had. Roma did. Uh, El Sharari was taken down in the box, but they went to VAR and Tammy Abraham was offside that led up to that penalty. So penalty didn't, you know, didn't happen. Um, but good game overall. Uh, I thought I thought Torino really fought and tight there. Uh, Ivan Juric's team. This is what you expect them to be a tough game, make it difficult for their opponents. Uh, and Roma did what they had to do to get the victory, and so they won one nothing. Um, they get all three points. Uh, yeah. So where do you want to start with these these games? The Roma should house this game. Yeah. I mean, I, it, they, was it their nice, fault? They, or was the opponent's fault? Nice goal by Abraham. Uh, no, I, and I, I. But I think you know sometimes Mourinho sets his teams up this way. Yeah. You know, um, and he's got the quality going the other way. Um, yeah. So, you know, they get the goal, and they, I mean, you, I mean, you, 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 when you look at the lineup, I mean, it's purely, it's purely a counterattacking setup. Um, when you take a look at Zaniolo and Abraham, is a kind of as his two strikers. You got El Sharawi coming, kind of from a withdrawn role. Mikatarian loves coming through the middle on a on the break, where he can facilitate, make a pass to a forward, and then you know, follow at the top of the box. Um, so you're seeing some things characteristically there. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, certainly Torino had more of the ball. They had three chances on target that Patricio saved. Patricio was really good in this game. Uh, and I thought the back three uh, for Roma all played well, Mancini, Smalling, and Ibanez, um, you know, to try to keep anything dangerous from happening here with this with this Torino team. Um yeah, I mean, you got to be wary of the threat with what Torino can do going forward with this squad. I mean, if you know, for Andrea Belotti, yeah, this has been a bad week for injuries too. Belotti got hurt, Chiesa got yeah, hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, we should make we should we should point those th- those injuries out. Mano's back from injury from yep. Milan. Yep. Um, 
So we're, you know, with what they can do going forward, Pryat and, and Breccolo are, are good technicians and, you know, and, and can sit in those half spaces and cause you some trouble. And Belotti, okay, fine, he's he's been struggling, but you still have to – I wouldn't give him space right now. Um, you so Nabri looked pretty good when he came on for Belotti as well, I thought. Agreed. Late, but... Agreed. You know, and you got some – yeah, you got Sanabri to go to single – Single's an interesting guy for me. Um, I like the way he, I like his game. I like the way he plays. Um, You know, so, um, you know, so on the Roma side, I thought they, they set up really well. They, they carried out what they, the way they wanted to do it uh, and get a win. Um, Bologna uh, with a rare uh, clean sheet, uh, you know, against this, uh, against the Spezia team that, you know, certainly was putting them under the pressure. Yeah. Um, What's uh, I mean, teams are conceding a lot of goals this year. I mean, the only teams that are one goal a game or less, there's only two teams, Torino and Napoli. And Napoli is um, astonishing. They've played 14. They've only conceded seven. Yeah, um, very good. Yeah, Torino's one goal a game on the button. After that, everybody else is conceding more than one per game. Um, so... You know, and you know, in some shape, form, or fashion, tells you the the attacking quality that's on offer in this league. Um, but anyway, but a rare clean sheet for Bologna, a team that always that that has been struggling. So you tip your cap there to uh, Skodowski. He was very good, uh, made some key saves in this game. You know, Bologna getting the penalty there, throwing Otovich. But we saw, you know, quality from Bologna going forward. Um, you know, Orsolini, Soriano, Barrow, Marine, uh, you know, and then uh, Arnautovic, um, and then Svanberg. Yeah, coming through the midfield looks useful too. So there's yeah. there's a lot to there's a lot to worry about when you play Bologna when they come forward. But defensively, I think they still can be had. Um, you know, uh, and then uh, the, the Milan game. I mean, Milan were excellent for 25 minutes. Um, I mean, and, and, and looked like they were going to cruise and then the Bakayoko mistake. I mean, that was just, I, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not even looking at where you're passing. You're just making a, making a pass and it stepped in and it's intercepted. Skamaka, brilliant finish. No one's going to stop that shot. The thing that was frustrating for me as a Milan fan is that the team reacted poorly for the rest of the match. Yeah. yeah, you know they were getting their momentum going. They were creating. Um, they were doing some positive things. There was some timing stuff with offsides, but I thought for the first twenty-five minutes, Milan controlled the game superbly. Sassuolo got off a couple of chances going the other way. Yeah, um, but that one mistake, the whole game flipped on its head, it um, and it was just astonishing for a team of professionals to allow that to happen. You see that with kids. You know, yeah. where, where something like that can can get your team down, but you don't you don't often see that. You know, with professionals, it's like, hey, can, we can pick back up and do this again, but it just had never happened. Too, and then it, it imploded. So, it and was, I think it was a poor selection by Pioli. I mean, yeah. but and I and I understand a lot of the players went through a very demanding game in Madrid, yeah, to win to try to stay alive. And this is the perils of because we got to this point. To match day five, said, 
and and Milan Twitter were wondering, do we still try to go for this and still try to qualify, or do we just punt it? Well, this might be the consequence of punting it is because so many players put so much into that game that now they're coming home to play Sassuolo and natural let them right yeah but i mean at the same time it wasn't really a letdown because the first 25 minutes they played great yeah. you know it the bakioko mistake started the started it but then when you looked at it after that milan could not get through the midfield they could not yeah. play through the midfield it was such a struggle you yeah. normally expect benesser to be better he struggled today yeah um this game was screaming for Tonali to where he should have played from the start. And I get it. He played a lot in that Madrid game. He ran a lot, gave a lot in that Madrid game and has overall been playing a lot lately for Milan. And you want to try to find some spot where you can, where you can rest him. And right now in a, in a period where you're, where your guys are playing every three days, you got to rotate a little bit. I mean, uh, Napoli rotated. They played Lobotka. That worked. I mean, teams. Some teams rotated, did perfectly fine. Other yeah. teams rotated and they struggled. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a depth deficiency with Milan. I just think it's a underperformance issue uh, from Bakayoko. Uh, I thought Leao was greedy um, without anything productive at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say it's Latan has to work on. Latan has timing problems right now. Yeah, you know we're, you know, we're we're staying on side is is suddenly become a problem for him. And then, you know, Romagnoli, my gosh, I mean, wonderful. I mean, one, I'm, one I'm embarrassed one. for him. Uh, He's between, not going against one. Yeah, between getting pantsed by Berardi and then you know then the foul that got him sent off, it was just yeah, just a yeah. disaster. So yeah. it, it was. So there's a few things for me in this game. Um, Obviously, you know, getting your getting your goalkeeper back, maybe it was a letdown defensively where they're like, okay, we can play a bit easier because we got that we got our goalkeeper back. Well, you, know, you got guys like Skamaka shooting from distance with that shot. No one's going to stop that, right? Two, yeah. I think it would it was partially a letdown because you had such a great game against Atleti. Uh, it was almost natural that it was going to have a, a, a trap game, even if they they knew this was going to be a good tough game. Uh, Sassuolo is always a bogey team, hmm. so you're you're naturally going to play a little bit less, and you're probably going to be tired. The guys who played the other game going to be tired you know brahim diaz and some of these other guys um and then three like anthony mentioned you know you get mistakes in the game and and sasolo made you pay for it you know they, they were clinical no tomori back there you know he probably would have cleaned up a lot of the mess that we had there maybe not so much the bakoyoko one but you know the barardi situation he probably would have snuffed that out um and probably would have helped with that with the second skamaka goal as well so you know a lot of different pieces there who are not used to playing with each other guys they all let down mentally. I mean, every single player yeah. on that pitch after that first goal that Bakayoko gave up, the Skamaka scored from distance. Um, it was a letdown after that. every every single person. On the on the Berardi goal, you're watching Teo Hernandez just watch Romagnoli getting ready to break his ankles, and he's just watching him. He's not helping out at all. It's like, what are you doing in there? You know, and there's no cover. There's no cover. And probably the only person you really can't fault too much is probably Magnon on his first game back. Like I said. That's yeah, I don't think he goal. could. He, he can't do anything about any of those no, goals. No, no. So yeah, too much space is given, and Sassuolo looked like the, the Zerbi team that we're used to seeing from the past, where they would, you know, have yeah. lots of possession in the midfield and do things with it. Uh, and yeah, they, they played very well. Sassuolo should be given full credit. Um, yes, Milan were at fault for a lot of this and uh, inflicted pain on themselves, but I think Sassuolo had the right game plan. 
they went down a goal and didn't give up. Most teams would go down to Milan or you know any big club and then just fold. They didn't. They kept going at it. When they got that goal by Skamaka, they were just ignited and they kept playing for the rest of the game and they deserved the win. Yep. Goals of the week. Let me turn my mic back on. Uh, yeah, let me find my uh, goals of the week list. All right, so number five for me, I'm going to go with Bonazzoli getting the tying goal for Salernitana late in the game. Number four, I do like that Candreva goal. The Caputo assist off the chest was just a beautiful thing to see there. What a goal. Uh, so that's number four for me. Number three are the ankle breaking of uh, Romagnoli, the Berardi goal. Uh, what a goal this by Berardi and clinched the game. Number two, Merton's first goal. Uh, the dancing around the defense there was just a freaking thing of beauty. Uh, he put it away nicely. And Skamaka, his first goal, had this a beautiful rocket there. That uh, Absolutely gold week for me. How about you? Okay. Um, my goals of the week are consolidated to just two games. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Merton's second goal against Lazio in at number five um, uh, for that for that finish. Number four, I'm going with Berardi, uh, putting uh, Romagnoli into the ground. I think there's there's weeks where that's a number that's a number one. Um, there's just there's three goals that are like I thought Merton's dancing around two or three guys was much more impressive. So that was number number three for me. And then uh, I'm going with Fabian's goal at number two. Um, beautiful curler. Uh, just absolutely no chance for Reyna. And then I'm with you. Skamaka hit the goal of the week for me. I was really, really close to putting Ruiz over it. Um, oh, yeah. You know, but uh, I Skamaka edges out Ruiz because of the significance of what that goal kick-started for Sassuolo. Ruiz was kind of a icing on the cake goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and that's, Skamaka that's- was power and pace from distance and it hit the post and went in. It was, this is beauty. Think of beauty. It was like, yeah, my nose didn't even move. He's just like, I, I got nothing. Yep. Can't, can't do it. <laughs> no. Reminded me of, uh, who was it? Uh, Figo for Portugal against England in Euro 2000. Very similar goal from yeah, yeah, a long, yeah, long yeah, yeah. And, and the goalkeeper. And I think it was Seaman at the time. Yeah. Just Roberto Carlos stood, was known for that as well. Yep. Stood and uh, watched Stardorf it. Stardorf as well. Sadorf when he was Real Madrid, scored one from distance, ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. So, hmm. yeah, those are fun. Those are fun to see when they turn up. Yeah. Um, not so much when it happens to your own team, but <laughs> what can you say? So, um, midweek Tuesday. There's midweek games, guys. Uh, so uh, check your uh, check your local listings. Um, but uh, Tuesday's games are Atalanta Venezia. Fiorentina hosting Sampdoria, Hellas Verona hosting Cagliari, Salernitana hosting Juventus. On Wednesday, December 1st, uh, Bologna hosts Roma, Inter hosts Spezia, Genoa hosts Milan, Sassuolo hosts Napoli. Big, big game there. Uh, And then finally on Thursday, Torino hosting Empoli, Lazio hosting Udinese, Richard. We talked about the Sassuolo-Napoli game. That's the the key one there. Any of the other ones... uh, Getting your attention? Um, I mean, obviously, that is the main game that I want to pay attention to. But uh, for me, uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I, the games are intriguing. Like Bologna-Roma could be very intriguing for me, uh, especially Bologna turns up. Um, Empoli could surprise Torino as we saw the performance of Empoli this past week. And then Fiorentina-Sampdoria, you know, both those teams play yep. to their potential. That would be a good game. Um, Cagliari-Hellas, I expect Hellas to really to shut the door down. But 
watch Galilee get some victory in the road there. So, but yeah, there's, there's a few games that are interesting to me, but I think Sassuolo Napoli is a game I'm going to tune into for sure. Can't believe you're leaving out Milan traveling to Genoa to go see Mr. Shevchenko. I, I fully, oh, that would be that's beautiful. I want to watch Shevchenko, but I fully expect Milan to be a shithousery type of game against Genoa. It's going to be some 0-0, 1-0 game. I fully expect that. We're not going to see goals in that game, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm still waiting. I don't think we have enough to figure out what Genoa is going to be under Andre Shevchenko, and I don't think yep. that Shevchenko has what he wants no. in-house yet. So, um, you know, so, so it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. And I'm, I'm with you. The Fiorentina-Sampdoria game, if they both can live up to it, Fiorentina can be leaky defensively. Sampdoria certainly have enough in attack to give them some problems. There can be some goals in that game. Um, I, I actually like Hellas Verona to bounce back and beat Cagliari. I, I, but Cagliari just there's there is something. I think it's to a point where they're just the confidence is just shot. So, um, you know. But other than that, uh, you know, Sassuolo Napoli for me is the marquee game. Uh, and uh, should be should be pretty interesting. How does Lazio react against the Udinese time against the Udinese team that's going to that that has given yeah. people fits this season? So, yeah, that could be very tight. Yeah, so that's another one. So, all right, so we have we have burned through match week fourteen. Now we will move on to the world's most famous hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, lead us off. Oh, all right. So this one was uh, nominated to us by Yanimo. Uh, and it's uh, Domenico De Fazio. So the original tweet was uh, Alessandro is saying that uh, <laughs> Darmian is being a big brute against uh, Insigne playing keep away with the ball. And Domenico says, uh, uh, someone has to edit this and where the ball is a Scudetto. <laughs> and it's a keep away from <laughs> I like that. I like that. Big big De Fats is in the clubhouse. Okay. Yep. Um, Uncle Sharma checks in. Uh <laughs> My guy froze. He hasn't moved since 2018. <laughs> that pained expression on oh, Allegri's face. Poor Allegri. Poor Allegri. All right. Don Totti is in the house. Says, uh, Juve traveled to London for nothing. For. <laughs> There's a key word there. For nothing. Lost but, um, there to Chelsea. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, moving on. There is our reaction to uh, last week's win. Um Matt Santangelo is the next one. Matt Santangelo is the next one. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the original one is that Eric Alper, 107-year-old mom, gives her 84-year-old daughter candy. It's Matt Santangelo saying, Ibra giving Giroud a piece of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nicely done. Nicely done. So, I gave uh, that same video. I gave uh, Darmian actually a Who Won Couch a Twitter nominee because he's just messing with Insigne. But <laughs> okay. it's just a funny video. It's just a funny video. <laughs> so uh, that gets a double nominee. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. <laughs> at FC Spartak Moscow, at, at FCSM underscore English. Uh, Napoli looking for some revenge today against Spartak Moscow. Uh, that was the IFTV and then, uh, FC Spartak Moscow caught, caught it and said, use this mask instead. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely There's done by burn. Spartak. Yeah. Yeah. There's they were, burn. they were, they were full voice. They kept doing it over and over again. Uh, Spartak actually came in and said, uh, two emojis to describe this cool. And then clown. So obviously the clown would be Spalletti because they didn't want to shake the hands uh, of the manager for Spartak. And he's like, all right, all right, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. 
I don't know. I didn't see the game, so I don't know if there's anything that went on. But yeah, I didn't either. All right, uh, at uh, at the Calcio guys, our friends over there at the Calcio guys, Messias at the depth for AC Milan uh, keeps their Champions League dreams alive. Uh, Pioli showing the hand to Lionel Messi, but pointing in the direction <laughs> of Junior Messias. That's right, the right Messias, right number thirty there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so this is a next great player for Galeri from George, and the free kick is wide. Let me let me make it bigger so you can see. There's a free kick goal, and it's a uh, wide left. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, okay, oh, Electra Gallardini. <laughs> Pavel Nedved fleeing from Turin during the GDF search. <laughs> I was just hoping this woman is gone. Jumping Why don't you car. give us a quick synopsis of uh, of what this is about for those who aren't in the loop? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just did an article for World Football Index, uh, and it was, it was based off of the New York Times article that came out recently. It came out last week, um, and it came out just after something else that happened in the league, but this is bigger news. Um, so what it was is talking about bunch of deals we've seen over the years where we thought people, maybe players' prices have been inflated. We see, we know this mostly with Juventus. We know a good example is 2019. Storaro gets sold from Juventus to Genoa for 19 million euros. You're like, he's not worth 19 million euros. Like, what the hell is this? And so a bunch of red flags started popping up. And it wasn't so much that, you know, the Pjanic and, and Archer swap. You know, yes, both the players can be swapped. But both, both teams made 45, 50 million euros off that deal each. Uh, and then also looking at the Ossiman deal, people question whether Napoli really had the finances to to afford uh, Ossiman. But really what it was was uh, the, the thing that broke this whole thing was Carte, uh, uh, Cartes or where I forget that goalkeeper's name, uh, the Greek goalkeeper used to be in Serie A. Uh, he gets sold, plus a bunch of other players that you never heard of, for like 20-something million euros. And everyone's like, wait, 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 who the hell are these players and why are they getting sold so much? So they started investigating this, and at least this is all across Europe. But in, in terms of Serie A, they started looking at Juventus, Napoli, Kievo, Verona, and a bunch of other clubs as well about transfers they made in the last two years in particular that the price has been way inflated. Uh, and in, for Juventus in particular, this could be very damning if you know it comes out that this is true and they find out um, concrete evidence is that Juventus is a publicly traded company and the way they're inflating these prices incorrectly would have a big impact potentially. I don't expect Juventus to get any kind of maybe just a fine, uh, but, you know, all indications if you know they're doing the research right they're doing the investigation right now as juventus's officers recently raided i think it was on saturday or sunday their offices are raided hence the video of pavel nedved fleeing the scene and jumping the building um but yeah it's uh they're finally starting to crack down on these inflation prices and uh, all these uh all these teams changing the value and trying to escape the rules people are questioning also the ronaldo signing from juventus several years ago like how could they afford that uh, so we'll see. Keep an eye on this because you know if anybody anybody gets in trouble with this, it could could be a serious implication here. You know, and Juventus probably had the one of the more um, stringent potential um, complications if they get convicted. I don't expect them to be. Maybe just a fine, but uh, keep an eye on this. We never know if City A wants City A and UEFA want to make a a big statement. This would be the time to do it with these inflation of the prices. So stay tuned, folks. I won't hold my breath. Yep, me neither. <laughs> me neither. All right, perfect. All right, let's move on. I think the next one, uh, Richard, is from Yanimal. 
Yeah, so uh, D- D- uh, Domenico DeFazio this time nominates Yanimo, and this time he says, uh, <laughs> so it says, I saw this ending match differently. It says, Junior Messias in the making, forcing Milan, and it's a guy yeah. unloading a refrigerator by himself, and this is uh, quite impressive, actually. I didn't see that ending that way either. He just, yep, takes it off the truck by himself. Well, Pretty good. I mean, what a story Junior Messias is, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, real, really, impre- really impressive. Um Okay, so uh, at 7 a.m. kickoff, the final whistle blows and Atalanta win 1-0. Juventus manager and players angry about the refereeing, and I'm pretty sure they're shouting at the officials, we bought you once, we can do it again. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, let's see. Uh, Don Totti, massacred by Chelsea in Champions League. Check. Investigation launched into major financial fraud at the club. Check. First loss at home to Atalanta in 30 years. Check. Tripleta a la Juventus. <laughs> All righty. Next one. All right. <laughs> At Tottenham Hotspur, the boss has his say. Um, and, uh, you know, Antonio Conte, uh, I think in these conditions, it's not football. I want to play football. I want to have fun and play to play and give emotion. I think in this situation it's impossible and there's a serious risk for the players to take injury and this is not good. This is the the uh Burnley Tottenham match being postponed and will un will underscore Unwin has Conte released a Christmas album. It looks like a cover for a Christmas album. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good. Can the that's host good. of the show win who won Calcio Twitter? What have you done now? So I, well, I tweeted out you know, after the Berardi goal. I said, someone please check on Capitano. He picked up a serious ankle injury against Berardi. Pieces of his ankle are all over the penalty box. Ref needs to give Berardi a <laughs> Pray for Romagnoli. I like that. I like that. But you can't win. I can't win. So. Uh, but Uncle Sharma can. Uh, Napoli versus Lazio. Uh, don't need to explain who is who. <laughs> Face down, that's Lazio, and that's Berardi with the goal. That's Napoli. Uh, that's funny. Oh, Nima. Oh, Nima. This is uh, Nima says, uh, Lazio's defense so far tonight. Woo! We'll let the pictures do all the talking here. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. All right. Uh, at Toti Mitico, uh, when in the VAR room, they find the frame to give Roma offside. <laughs> like that. oh that was a late entry there so oh who you got chat who do you got uh i wonder if chris is in the house hey, is chris with us still chris has know. got to pick a winner otherwise uh, i'm going uh with elettra galliadini which at, one is that oh yeah 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 that was a that's a good one for me too yeah oh, at, at 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 mate dj 23 i think the hair does it too to make it look like that vid Yep, that's that's the winner. Yeah, and you see, he's got uh, they got a thread because he got retweeted six hundred times, and he was like kind of like surprised by it. I think. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna get retweeted six hundred and one. <laughs> uh, congrats, Mate DJ twenty three. So, Electra Galliardini is this week's winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> While you do that. Uh, I'm gonna do my shameless plug. Uh, first, like I mentioned, I just uh, did the article for based on that New York Times article for World Football Index about the uh, investigation into deflation of of transfer sales and all that stuff. So definitely give that a plug or give it a look. 
Uh, and also just released a video on our YouTube page by Junior Messias doing like a kind of quick player profile um, off of his goal that he scored in the Champions League. And and many wondered after that goal, is he the savior of Milan? And so I talk about that and give my answer whether he is or not. So definitely give that check out. Um, let's see if I have even a picture of it left here so you can see what I'm talking about here. Uh, there it was. Oh, there it is. There you go. So that's what the thumbnail looks like. So look for that on our YouTube page for Mr. Messias. All right. Yep. And you can obviously follow me with my handle right there. So, Yep. As we put a bow on this edition of Serie A, sit down. You can find me at FTC underscore 21. Right there. You keep switching the handle on me. Keeping you honest. <laughs> Keeping you honest. Uh, somebody's got to. Uh, Setting us <laughs> sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever there is podcasts, there is City uh, Sit Down. Uh, go to at City uh, Sit Down on Twitter. Give us a follow there. Go to at City uh, Sit Down on Instagram. Give us a follow there. Like us on Facebook. Um, also, subscribe. Uh, to this channel, uh, click the notification bell so that you can be notified whenever we drop new content or uh, start recording another podcast. Um, also, like this video. It helps us out a lot if you enjoyed uh, what you watched here. Uh, so um, that's it. We've got midweek Calcio. Yeah. So I don't expect anybody to get any work done this week. Uh, no. <laughs> so. Or this month. Or this month. Or this month. Yeah, a lot of games. So uh, it's hard to get a lot of work done in the month of December as it is. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so I uh, hope you enjoyed it uh, for uh, City I Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. This That was Richard. I'm Frank. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.